I don't understand how people think the police are just like these robots. This is traumatizing, man. I will never forget the faces of people that I've watched actually die in front of my face. Welcome to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, and of course, I am a man on a mission here to transform you into a modern day warrior, into a man of action, a man who steps up come hell or high water, a man who is a patriot at heart, a man who's looking to get stronger in body, mind, and spirit to be a better father, husband, leader, visionary. That's what this Man of War movement is all about. Now, today, I got an amazing guest. And uh, this guy really speaks from the heart. Um, he has a tremendous following. And I got to tell you that brace yourself for this podcast. This is not for the faint at heart. Brandon Tatum is a former Tucson police officer. He's founder of the TatumReport.com. He's CEO of three companies, co-founder of Blexit, and has become one of the most prolific speakers and exciting personalities on social media. All right, now listen, this guy's had videos that went viral, 70 million plus views, right? He's been on Fox Business, Fox and Friends, Headline News, Newsmax, invited to the White House. Uh, I can go on and on, all right? Um, he's done podcasts, you know, with uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, Salem Radio. Uh, we can go on and on here. Look, the bottom line is that this guy is a true influencer, all right? He consistently speaks to crowds of over a thousand people. He's shared the stage with many renowned leaders, including the president of the United States. Um, he's spoken over 26 colleges um, and universities on over in over 20 states, man. That's incredible. All right. Just this year alone, by the way, Brandon is well recognized for his perspective, dynamic personality, authentic message, and his natural ability to relate to everyday Americans. And that is for sure. When you listen to this conversation, you're going to quickly realize that he is a patriot. He is a man of honor. He speaks from the heart. And to me, that says everything. All right, guys, I want you to dive into this podcast. Listen to it, not just once or twice, but listen to it a few times. Why? Because you're going to really get to meet here after we talk and we dive into exactly what's going on with our society. All right, guys, see you on the flip side. Brandon Tato, man, welcome to the Man of War podcast. It is an honor to have you on. All right. Uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, what I'm going to do here is this for our audience, especially the ones that know that don't know who you are, what you're about. What I want to do here is I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Give us a little glimpse of, you know, what you're doing nowadays and where you came from. Yeah. So I grew up born and raised Fort Worth, Texas. So I'm a Texas boy. Um, you know, I grew up in I, I could say a balanced household. You know, my, my mom and dad wasn't together and they 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 didn't like each other. <laughs> they was they were arch, they were rivals at, at, you know, for the most part. And um, but you know, my parents did the best they could to, to raise me and, and raise me right. You know, sometimes we lived in great areas, sometimes we lived in not so great areas. I graduated from Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School, a very uh, historic black school, all black school. And, you know, it had some issues. You know, football was tremendous. Our sports teams were great, you know, probably the best in the state. Um, one of the best in the state, but, uh, you know, crime was, was out of control, people fighting, pulling guns with each other in the parking lot. And, and so coming from that and coming from an Afrocentric perspective, you know, I, I went to college cause I was an all American football player in high school, top player in the nation. And then I ended up going to university of Arizona and it, it just revolutionized my mind. You know, I, I just, I grew up believing that police were all races and white people were racist and, 
and that I had to, you know, do some extraordinary acrobatics in order to be successful. Right. Come to find out that that wasn't necessarily the case. And at a university that was primarily white, I didn't have a single problem with not one white person on campus, not one. And actually, you know, I had some friends who were white that I liked better than my black friends. So, you know, it, things begin to, you know, open up for me. And I got saved in 2008. Um, I was baptized and filled with God's spirit. And that, that really revolutionized my mind as well, because I stopped looking at people based mm -hmm. on color and all this yeah. other crazy stuff. Yeah. And it was more so um, looking at individuals based on the content of character and the fact that we're all God's children. Um, and then, you know, football didn't work out for me. 2010, I was in the NFL draft. I didn't get drafted like I expected that I would be. I mean, I was heartbroken, but I believe God had another plan for me. And so I needed a job opportunity. I applied for almost everything that I could find in the city of Tucson, which is where I went to school at, mm -hmm. uh, graduated. And, you know, the police department called me back, which was a shocker. I, ne I never thought mm -hmm. I'd be a police officer. You know, when I was eight years old, I got arrested for smoking marijuana in a vacant house. So I didn't really have mm -hmm. like this great idea of policing. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, I need an opportunity. You know, I had a young son at the time. I think he was he was either just born or not born yet. Not when I was OK, he wasn't born yet. So I was like, man, I got to provide. I, I can't, you know, sure. forget all the rest of that stuff. I need to provide for my son no matter what. And so I said, I'm going to join this job. They pay twenty one eighty eight an hour. They got benefits. And uh, I remember thinking, like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I need to try to do a ride along or something so I can mm -hmm. figure out what's mm -hmm. going on. And I was blown away at the, on the ride along. I was absolutely blown away. You know, Officer Sean Payne, he's in my book. Uh, he, 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 he exemplified what a real hero is. And, and I, I never forget that ride along experience. And that drove me to become a police officer, police officer for six and a half years. I was on SWAT. I did, I was a field training officer. I was a, a PIO spokesperson for the police department. I trained at the Academy. I did everything that I could in that six and a half year span. And, uh, I began to be more political, you know, once they started taking them taxes out of my first check and I thought I was going to be able to have an apartment, a brand new car. And then when the taxes came out, I was like, oh, no, man, I, this is not right. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I, I became more political. I was I was a Democrat at first. I was more, you know, liberal minded, I think, because, you know, through you know default. Mm -hmm. And not because I've done any real significant research. And then over, over the time, over time, as being a police officer, seeing the things I've seen, oh, Barack, Barack Obama, you know, talking terrible about police, um, it really just shifted me to to being more of a Republican. And I and I recognize that I'm more conservative than anything. And uh, did some politics stuff, you know, made a couple of videos that went viral, 70 million views here and there, and then it just led me away from policing. And I'm I'm in a position I'm in now. Yeah, and, and your position is great because for the most part, you can speak your mind um, and, you know, you speak from the heart, which I love. Now, let's go back a little bit here. When you were a police officer during that time, um, and this is something that I, I, you know, I ask often, um, a lot of cops that I've worked with, you know, had a 17-year career, and uh, I'll be completely frank with you, I never one time in 17 years came across internal racism as far as our department i had and i worked in a um, my first apartment was a uh, one of the lowest socioeconomic cities in the state of florida um, and the violence there was off the chain even within that police department itself um you know everybody pretty much got along there was never any issues uh that i remember and the fact that the media 
the fact that other people started to uh, raise this this quote unquote red flag on racism, internal racism in departments and internal and how police were treating um, others on the street. Uh, to me, it was confusing at the time because what they were saying was not something that I was living and not just me, but others around me. Um, so when you started talking about the reality, you know, of, of that, that's not the world that we live in, man. I, I, I just aligned myself with you. It was like, you know, no way we don't live in that world. This is a make-believe world that people are out there saying these things and it's not true. So your stance first and foremost, um, and during your career and the people that you've met um, through your career now, uh, do you think that racism is a big part of policing in our society now? No, I think that's the furthest from the truth. And it's weird to me because I don't know if these people actually believe this or they're just evil, you know, and they want to create division. It's like, how in the world, I, you know, like you said, you were a police officer for twice as long as I was, but I, I never, and I'm black, you know, so if the racism was going to happen, I'm, I'm going to be the first to at least feel it mm -hmm. at some point, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I never, nobody's racist on a police department. And, and if they were in their consciousness, they never displayed it because it is almost impossible to live out racism as a cop because mm -hmm. you don't get to pick who you serve. You know, they call for service and you got to put your life on the line for whoever's on the other side of that call. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in the, in the inner city communities, that's what you're responding to. Yeah. You're responding to people who have been victimized, somebody who's been shot to death or, or somebody's, you know, been robbed or, or, or you know, the house burglarized. Somebody's yes. been raped. Uh, like this is what majority of what policing are responding to. You get in the shootings is not that often. You know, I didn't get in the shooting one time and I, we were, I worked in the most dangerous city per capita in the state of Arizona. Plus, I, like I said, I was on the SWAT team and stuff like that. So, you know, I never shot anybody. I mean, I was close, but I never shot anybody. But you know how many people I saved of all colors and races and religions and sexuality? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it's a load of crap, man. And I, and, and it's, it's sad that they've been able to push this narrative and it, the, the, the functionality of the narrative is just because they have majority white police officers. And, and to me, I feel like that says more about the black community and minority community than it does about white people, because why don't black individuals put them protest signs down and quit complaining and go apply? And in, in many of these cities, there are a lot of black officers, but, you know, there, there's a lot of complaining that goes on and there's not a lot of applications going out. So it's not a racist organization. Never seen it. Never knew of it. I, you could say that there were some people that were racially insensitive. But I mean, that's life, man. Everybody didn't mm -hmm. grow up the same. So, you know, just because people don't understand how black people act, you know, sure. don't make them a racist. It, it just, you know, they may be racially insensitive. And that's not, that's not what you get paid to do is to coddle people and, and understand where everybody's coming from. You, you're here to enforce the law and do it in, in, a, in a way of protecting and serving other people. Yeah. And one of the stories that I say, uh, uh, sp speaking to um, some men um, not too long ago, I, you know, I brought up a, a situation that happened not too long ago either, um, where, you know, it was a, uh, a situation where when this whole Black Lives Matter uh, started sparking up and um, the George Floyd situation happened and people, you know, everybody just started to hate the cops. I mean, we were being pushed around and people were spitting at our cars and and there was a particular incident where this individual was a, you know, 20 something year old 
a black male came up to my car, spit in my window multiple times. I, you know, I got out of the car. I'm, I'm like telling him, you know, not to do this, to get out of here, whatever. Uh, hey, you know, th that's not cool. I knew his mother at one point. Uh, I had dealt with her. Um, and uh, the next thing I, I know, I remember two days after that incident, um, I am pumping him, trying to save his life, CPR, um, after he had been shot by his uh, friend or whatever. Um, I'm there and his girlfriend screaming in my ears, a family screaming, please bring him back, bring him back. I mean, it, it, the whole incident, I don't, don't want to get into all that incident right now, but um, it, what I did is something that so many officers do. How many times in your career, well, I'm, I'm sure where you're, you know, you had people, you know, talk, talk down to you or scream at you and hate you. And the next thing you know, they're calling you to help them and, and, uh, you know, resolve this problem. You know, and I think that the mentality of police officers now is, is just that. I mean, it's to help and to really protect and to do what they can. Are there some bad apples? Of course there are, man. I mean, we, we all know that, right? Um, so I, I want to know your point of view where you think police work is now and where you think that it's headed. Yeah, I, I want to touch on that real quick. I had a guy do the same thing to me. You know, we were just doing a check welfare on a gentleman. I think some people mm -hmm. had called in on him. They were walking behind a the uh, Circle K and we walked up to him and he was like, just real rude to us. Like, man, F you, what y'all talking, you know, whatever, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. It, it could have been five or 10 minutes later. We got a man down in the middle of the street. He's been shot multiple times. You know, uh, we, we go up to the scene and it was the same guy that we had just talked to. I mean, if he had actually listened yeah. to us, he probably saved his life, but he, he was shot. And, and I remember that guy begging for his life and saying, please don't let me die, man. I don't want to die. And we have this thing called a, a IFAC kit. It's mm -hmm. a first aid kit for, for gunshot victims. Mm -hmm. And so we happen to have, uh, you know, sucking chest seal. We have you know, quick clot and stuff like that that we sure. were able to use, tourniquets and stuff in this little kit. And so we were able to pull it out and save this dude's life. You know, we patched a couple of sucking chest wounds that he had because he had got shot a, a multiple times. Sure, sure. And uh, he ended up living. So it's like, you know, that's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And the rhetoric that's being pushed Mm -hmm. while the situations that we just said are realities for us, mm -hmm. it really turns police officers off because you're like, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my family aside to do some on, to do this honorable service. And the thanks I get after I'm literally saving black people every day. Yep. And, and, yep. And, and like you said, doing CPR and watching these young brothers get just snuffed out at young mm -hmm. and it's, and, and it's traumatizing the police officers. I don't understand how people think that police are just like these robots. Mm -hmm. This is traumatizing, man. I will never forget the faces of people that I, I watch actually die in front of my face. Amen. And yep. I'll never forget that. And when you are doing that on a day-to-day -day basis, and then you turn around, you know, you, you go home, all that stress, you know, you try to recoup and, and do different things in your life to make you, you know, kind of give you a break from being a police officer you show up to work the next day and now all of a sudden you're a racist it's a racist institution and people are coming in and, and trying to burn your police cars and nobody's doing anything the city manager the mayor nobody's right. doing the police chief has tucked his tail between his legs you're like what you know yeah. bro why would i do this why mm -hmm. would i keep coming out here serving them? screw y'all you know i take this check and i won't be proactive you know i see a hand to hands i'm just gonna keep driving why am I going to go chase this guy down? And if he shoot me, I shoot him back. I'm, I'm going to go to prison. So it really, this rhetoric is just destroying the morale on the police department. And 
I could imagine there's an influx of racial tension on the police department as well, because when I was there, there was no racism, but there were black officers who wanted there to be racism. We used to have this, we used to have our codes that we use for race. We used to use numbers. So number one uh, was Hispanic. Number two was Asian. Number three was African-American. Number four was Indian and five was white. And so that's how we used to dress people. We say, oh, I'm out with a number one male. I'm out with a number three male. So you didn't have to go through all of that African-American, Black, American of African descent, or some other, you know, Native American, yeah. Indigenous yeah, American, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> give a number. Yeah. But, but the Black officers on my department, I had to separate myself from a few of them. Mm-hmm. They said, that's racist. That's racist that, you know, you use number three, because people are now using that as a racial slur. When they yeah. talk about Black people, they say the number three, like it's, like it's, yeah. like it's the N-word. Yeah. And dude, I, I tell you what, man, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And and I could imagine, you know, back then that these people are built, you know, building themselves up to find issues. And nowadays, I bet there's a lot of issues too, where there's black officers that 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 are have this influx of feeling like, yeah, this is a racist institution. They are doing wrong to my people, you know, and it, it's killing the morale. So let's talk about the morale. I mean, for the most part, I'm, I've taught in the police academy for over a decade. I've seen the morale, uh, well. Uh, it's been a while since I teach a couple of years, but uh, I saw even the morale started to slide. Uh, the type of person that was coming in through the academy was not the same individual, the same quality of candidate. Um, do you foresee law enforcement uh, kind of do, you know, taking a downward spiral because now like shit, people are looking at this and saying, shit, I don't, I don't want to be part of this. This is right. not, you know, I mean, it, look what happened with, you know, George Floyd and all these other incidents where police officers now some states want to take, uh, uh, you know, certain uh, I, th- I think it was um, from a perspective of uh, a civil uh, take cops now into a civil lawsuit. And it even was qualified immunity. Yeah, qualified immunity. And uh, even in our county here, we had a guy literally shot. It was it was a shooting and they sued him civilly and they went to his house and took everything he owned ripped his house and took everything that he owned uh, that has to scare people i mean that has to scare you know as oh, a cop man, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be a cop i wouldn't be a cop i have to say this man i love the job i thought it was the most honorable thing i ever done in my mm-hmm. life i would not be a cop today i'd be looking for another opportunity um it is bad because i remember on our police department outside of the racial political stuff yeah we, the morale died on our department because the city didn't respect us. You know, we went 10, 11 years without a, without yeah. raises. And when I yeah. got onto the department, out in the academy, I was making the same yeah. as officers had five or six years on the department because they hadn't yeah. gotten raises. Yeah. And the, the city never gave us raises. And they make this trolley car to nowhere and, and spend hundreds of millions of dollars on that. And they wouldn't give us a raise. Our patrol cars were falling apart. I remember I, remember I was going code three through an intersection and the uh, code three equipment went out. In the middle of the, I'm going code three to save somebody's life and equipment went out. And, and yeah. you know, it was, it was the morale had took a dump, man. And they fired, they, they, uh, no, one of our chiefs left and they hired, they supposed to hire internally. Normally what mm-hmm. we do, we had great internal candidates. They said, mm-hmm. no, scrap all those. We're going outside. They got a guy from Richmond. He had a husband and there's nothing wrong if you want to be gay, but that's why they hired him because he was gay. And mm-hmm. this guy was the hatchet man. He, he cut all of our drug task force. These guys have been on apartment forever and they finally made GTAC. And yeah. now they got to go back to patrol. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. They never took, they never took calls. They, they, they hid every day and, sure. and all the rookies were taking the calls. 
So morale died just off of the city's disrespect for police without the rhetoric. Now you add in rhetoric. Now you add in people questioning qualified immunity. I mean, people don't understand qualified Crazy. immunity does not protect an officer who commit a crime. Qualified immunity is saying, and when within good faith in the confines of you working right. on behalf of the state, you are protected from civil lawsuit when you are acting on behalf of the state. If you commit a crime, you go to jail. That's qualified right. immunity is afforded to not just police officers, to public officials, judges. They have qualified immunity too. So it's like, well, if you want to get rid of qualified immunity for police, then you got to get rid of qualified immunity for other public officials. That's right. And it, it just is asinine. Now, just imagine... The department already treating you like crap by not providing, you know, extra finances, no raises. And mm -hmm. then you got the public out here saying that you shouldn't, that you are all racist and they need police reform and they pushing cr uh, cr critical race theory. I remember, I remember one thing and, and I'll, and I'll, I'll try to keep it short. I remember one thing that we did when they start pushing the LGBTQ agenda. I remember all of our training, we had six minute training. We, we do legal updates and stuff like that, mandatory, right? Mm -hmm. But the little thing was six minutes and you had a quiz at the end. Now you could take the quiz a hundred times. If you fail, you fail. You can skip through the, the yep. six minutes if you want, just keep skipping <laughs> and you get to the end or whatever. <laughs> but but the LGBTQ trans video we had to watch, 45 minute video, You it was mandatory on duty and you couldn't skip the video. Now, of course, people just played in the background, turned the sound off mm -hmm. and had it rolling while they just writing paperwork. So, but you had to. You had to watch 45 minutes of it unobstructed. And, and I, I, you know, it, people died. I mean, the spirit of policing was dying in that, in that scenario. Yeah, that's uh, without a doubt. I think uh, that's a great point how you ended that. I mean, the spirit of police is, is dying across the board. In my opinion, I see it pretty much everywhere. Listen, I don't want to be the negative Nelly, but uh, just, re, you know, uh, at this point, you know, reiterating your point is that a hundred percent, I mean, the fact that qualified immunity, people think that it, it, it's okay to rip that from an officer. I mean, I got to tell you that when an officer is acting in good faith, uh, you know, think of, of any civilian going out there and doing something in good faith to save another person. And all of a sudden they get sued because that person technically died after the fact. Okay. But he's doing everything he can to protect that person, to save that person. You know, it, it, it's a sad state that we are living. Let's talk about um, this critical race theory. Okay. What, what's your opinion on that? The, the, you know, the, the mentality, why, you know, people are even teaching that, uh, you know, I got a huge problem. Yeah, there, there's, you know, we have a, we have an agenda, right? There's an agenda to create and, and, and develop a country that's communist. And there are people who are striving to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. How do you accomplish communism, socialism, and, and, and just kill the spirit of freedom in America? You have to start with division. And when you create division, it's not enough to have uh, adults divided because now in policing and they, you know, they, they've been successfully able to divide race because everything is racist, systemic, mm -hmm. systemic racism that they preach is, is the boogeyman. That's mm -hmm. it's essentially the boogeyman. There's no, there's no example of it. You can't point to it. You can't ever fix it. It's the boogeyman. And so systemic racism that affects adults, right? So the generation of older people, they get into conflict. People are upset with each other. The political climate makes you upset, but now they need to get your children 
so they can indoctrinate the next generation of division. And mm -hmm. once they have you divided, then they can say, you know what, we're your savior. We're going to make it all together. So you right. put them in the power and then they go and they mandate vaccines and do stuff to you and take away your doggone freedoms and take away your guns. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Everything that China is doing is a, is a prelude or, you know, a preliminary step to what we're doing. Social currency, all of these things, they're trying to do that. CRT is a part of that mission. And they want to indoctrinate your young people, indoctrinate your kids to hating each other because kids don't typically even care. They ain't even thought twice about the color of nobody's skin. They want your kids to be divided. They want them to hate America. They want them to hate each other. They want black people to be victims forever. All you got to do is look at entertainment. Every video, every movie about black people, they slaves and, and, and it's Jim Crow, you know, and all of this other crazy stuff that they do. So they want black people to be a co consistent victim class. And then they want white people to be guilty. They don't want you to have pride. They want you to feel guilty from being white. And then when you have the degradation and the breakdown of a community and you got your kids uh, transing and, and, and want to be gay and all this other stuff because they're getting indoctrinated through cartoons and all this. Mm -hmm. And once all this fall apart and Christianity is no longer a thing, you know, where it's, it's, it's an afterthought. And then they come in and take over for everything. So that is a is, is a one step in the in the multiple step process of just destroying um, our free nation and making us a totalitarian society. We are missing patriotism in, in our society. The fact that you have Olympic, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I hate to say this, but, you know, people, athletes in the Olympic, you know, talking about burning the flag, talking about ripping the flag up and, and, and throwing it away and representing our country. Do you think that we, there's something underlying, I mean, severely wrong with the lack of patriotism that we have in our society right now? A thousand percent. I mean, it's, it made me sick to my stomach. You know, there are, there are athletes that are, that love this country, but you're mm -hmm. seeing, you're seeing a trend, right? I mean, I feel like 80%, 90% of people were patriots, you know, mm -hmm. after nine 11 and, but now, I think it's probably 60%, uh, you know, maybe 60, 70% of people who love this country. And that's a problem because we see the trend growing. CRT has a factor in that as well of teaching you to hate America and that America isn't equal for everybody. And it's like, what, what, what dumb brainstem missing person is trying to say that America isn't equal. America affords you any opportunity that you willing to, that you willing to take advantage of. And, but if you teach, people that America isn't black people is under the thumb or minorities are under the thumb of the white man. And mm -hmm. this is a white society and that black people can't be racist because you don't mm -hmm. have, uh, you know, systemic control or, or whatever these, these stupid things are, you know, they create this, this level of hatred towards this country. And when you, when you bite the hand that feeds you, you're in a very bad predicament. When you mm -hmm. live in America in the freest nation on earth and, and the, the, you know, the most prosperous nation on earth to be black in, you know, when you start biting the hand that feeds you, you're going down a slippery slope of demise and yeah. you, you don't realize it. But if you don't acknowledge and respect this country, you, you are willing to let the country go. And when the country goes, you're going to be like the Jews. You know what I'm saying? They put them in internment camps and they were they were killing them and they were they were trying to, you know, they were trying to extinguish them. And the same thing is going to happen to minority people who hate this country and, and, and pursue that goal. You are going to be in a negative position. Your vote will never count. The, the black and black violence is going to be out of control. Wedlock, you know, all of these different things are going to be out of control. And, and if you don't approach 
uh, actually a destructive situation, you will self-destruct. If you if you approach a situation where there's no racism, you create racism. If you approach approach a situation where the police are not doing anything to you, you 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 make them do something to you. You pull a gun on them. You start you resisting arrest. Sure, sure. That's so those you. those are the things that that really just bother me, and I think that's the direction with this with this anti patriotism uh, spirit in our in our society. Well, let's talk about um, let's change subjects here and like, let's stay, dive really right into masks, the vaccine, and how there is such a clear separation uh, between those who believe in wearing masks and those who believe that there is no need for masks. And it's literally, I mean, and, and you see it and you're saying to yourself, man, I mean, we have clear division because those that are wearing masks are looking at the ones that are not wearing masks and saying, you know, they're, they're oh, they're evil, bad people. Um, so where do you stand on this whole mask situation and on vaccines? Oh, man, I hope I don't get you in trouble. But, no, you know, I, I think I think that. Um, it's it's stupidity you know I, my thing is this you can do whatever you want to do it's america you want to wear a mask you want to wear a five mask do you but don't be stupid don't be an idiot you, the masks are not they don't they're not going to stop you from getting sick mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many times it, this is this is like virality uh whatever you want to call it, not virality but virus one-on-one they're gonna go through that little cloth mask that you got on if you can smell my fart through your mask you're going to get COVID in that mask. I don't understand why people, they, they walk around the grocery store, even now in Arizona, you don't have to wear masks. They walk around the grocery store and they're all oh, so holier than thou. I have a mask and I'm protecting my family. And then, they, but they don't have no gloves on. They're cross-pollinating. Not one person in the restaurant, have, not one person in the grocery store have a mask on. So everybody in there getting everything sick, if that, if, mm -hmm. according to them. You can mm -hmm. listen to any virologist and they'll tell you, Listen, the, the, the molecules are so small, they're going to go through that mask. You're not protecting yourself from anything. You're just being an idiot. And then um, when you look at the vaccines, it, they have this, everybody knows this at this point, unless you want to be disingenuous, that the vaccine is not going to stop you from getting sick. And it's not going to stop you from transmitting anything to another person. So to act like people are the devil because they don't want to take an experimental drug that's not even approved by the FDA, then you are the problem, in my personal opinion. Because I think it should always be a choice. If you want to wear five masks, then, then, then pass out with your five masks on. If you want to get a shot, go get a shot. Get three of them. Get boosters. I don't care. But if you, but people who don't want to do that because of their own various reasons, they should be a lot at the same level of respect as people that want to go down the path of, of doing it. And, and I, I, like I said, I think this is a government control scheme. The government knows doggone well that the people that are affected by COVID and the variant are elderly people and people with poor health. They should be practicing and teaching people to have better health. If you want to mandate something, you need to mm -hmm. mandate that people be able to go to the gym. You need mm -hmm. to, you know, I don't know if the government want to spend trillions of dollars, get people gym memberships, get people better access to, to good nutritional foods, shut down McDonald's and fast food once a week or something. If the government really care about your health, they don't give a flying flip about your health. 
They want you to be on these drugs. They want to put you on more prescription drugs. It's all of it's all a farce, man. And we can see it clear as the noonday sun that children are not getting the, getting the COVID and dying from it. But they want your kid to wear five masks when they go to school. It's a government control tactic. They're trying to control us. And, and this is what it is. This is like, um, you know, dangling the carrot. This is them trying to pitch a little something, see how far we'll go. How much will they take? Because they got a bigger agenda. If you ask me, they got a bigger agenda of taking over, but they want to see how much will you take? Oh, mass mandates. Okay, let's take the mass mandates off. Let's see how they act. Let's reintroduce it. Oh, now you mm -hmm. got to wear two masks. That fool, mm -hmm. Fauci said three masks. And then they go, well, now everybody got to get a vaccine. It's a choice. You know, we did this for the public. Now you got to wear a vaccine or you can't introduce yourself into society. Sure. Yep. They will see how far they can push it. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then they're going to go from there. Well, I'm, I'm definitely agreeing with you here. You know, the issue here, it's also the mentality of, of that we have as a society. Unfortunately, we have this herd mentality where it's almost to the point where, you know, you do this. I'll just follow along and I'll do it also, even though everyone's getting their research from memes that they put on Facebook, right? There's been no thorough investigation. Uh, these are not the type of people, unfortunately, that go out there and do the research or make them make their own decisions. And the fact that, you know, you see people walking around in the streets uh, with masks on, driving inside their cars by themselves with masks on, you know, it becomes... Uh, where you're looking at it from just a, a common man's point of view, there's something disturbing about that. You know, there, <laughs> so the reality is that we are a free, free country. If you want to wear your masks, I'm with you on that. You know, wear your masks, do what you need to do, but don't look at me any differently if I'm not wearing mine. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah, in the car. I saw a lady at the gym. I was at the gym the other day. At the gym that we go to, they don't make you wear masks at all. Even when mask mandates were in place, they tell you, you can wear a mask, you know, but when you work out, you can take it down, you know, so you can mm -hmm. breathe or whatever. But, you know, people had it down the whole time they're in the gym. But, you know, this lady was on a treadmill and I just, I just can't believe what I saw. Air, no, my one mask in there, it is packed to the ceiling of people in there working out. Not one mask, not one, nobody wiping no machines down, nothing. This lady is literally on the elliptical with a mask on. And I'm just thinking like, I'm not gonna say anything to you because that's your, you. You won't be dumb. That's on you. But like, what level of brainwashing have mm -hmm. you been subject to that you think mm -hmm. it makes any sense to wear a mask in a gym, just packed full of people, full of uh, uh what they call them, super spreaders? If you want right, to say that, right, right. you know, you, you you're just dumb. You ain't got no gloves on. You're touching the machines. You, you know, you, you you're breathing in the same oxygen that these people are breathing in. It's circulated air. This is this not this not. They don't have the doors open. I mean, these same people to wear a mask and then they'll go to a restaurant, sit down and take the mask off and then they'll put the mask on. I saw this lady. It, it was it was just it was just disturbing to me. I was walking by this table in D.C. in an outside restaurant and nobody has masks on, clearly. But I'm walking by the thing and I don't have a mask on. And I felt like the, it was a group of people looking at me like, why don't you have a mask on? And it's like, right, dummy. You don't have a mask on and I'm walking by you. What's the difference of me standing here or sitting where you're sitting? Right. It, it's, it's just crazy to me. And, and then they come out and be mean to you. You're yes. super spreaders. And I can see them looking at me. It could be my own self subconscious behavior, but I see them looking at me when I'm in the grocery store, the three dummies that got a mask on. And when I call them dummies, because nothing that they're doing, it makes any sense. It's virtue signaling. It's, sure. it's I'm sure. doing what's right for the public, but their kids don't have masks on. It's like, come on, man, your kids don't have masks, but you have masks.
Like, what, yeah. is, what sense does that make? If they get contracted, they're going to give it to you. you. You're pushing this stupid buggy that they didn't wipe. Mm-hmm. It probably got all kinds of diseases on it. But you cool with that, but you got your mask on. You look, you know what I'm saying? And then they go to try food, and they go, like, you just don't, you just, your brain is just not working right, in my personal opinion. So, you know, I, I just I just want people to be informed and stop being so gullible to the government. Just do your own doggone research, man. Do your own research. They never made us wear a mask when the flu season hit, did they? No, they didn't. They never mandated the flu vaccines. They required it, but they didn't mandate it. In, in many of these places, you had medical exemptions. Uh, you had religious exemptions. They never did this. So you ask yourself the question, why are they doing this all of a sudden? It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Oh, I'm with you, man. I, I'm... I couldn't agree more with that. Um, where do you think our society is going with this type of mentality uh, where you're seeing the media just send a message that is just very confusing to, especially to the younger uh, society, the, the 12 through 16, 18 year old. And you're seeing the, you know, a, a quick shift uh, that, you know, transgenders is okay to, to play in, 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 in girl sports now. And, and you're seeing the, uh, you know, young men start, you know, questioning their orientation and, and uh, same thing, whether it's for men or for, for young girls. And all of a sudden you just see this entire scattered world of, of unicorn land. And it's confusing as hell because it's like, man, you know, uh, this just came out of nowhere because it, ha- it wasn't like that a decade ago. Uh, some things have changed. You know, what's your stance on that? Well, there's two things, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that the Bible is not manifesting itself uh, at this time. I'm hoping that this is just a, a bump in the road and it's going to ebb and flow. Um, the Bible says in the last days, these things are going to happen and good, right is going to be, you know, wrong and wrong is going to be right. And people are going to be teaching false doctrine and people are going to be confused, sexual orientation, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah type situations are going to happen. And, and that's the end time. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that this is just an ebb and flow situation, meaning that it's going to it's going to reach a, a breaking point. You know, you can only go so woke, you know, before you are having a seizure. You know, if you make you know yeah, what I'm saying, sure. like, yeah, yeah. you can only you can only be so woke, you know, like when you, you can only pr- promote uh, unicorn land until until you get hit in the face and you realize, oh, man, this is not real. And I think a lot of things that they're doing is they're in, they're infiltrating these young people and these young people in college that become complete idiots. And then they get out in the real world and they become conservative, but they're dumb between, you know, school, you know, grade school to graduating college. And then eventually they grow out of it when they start paying taxes and start looking at these politicians, realizing that they're all, that most of them are frauds, the Republican or Democrat, you know? So I think that it's going to ebb and flow, which, which I'm hoping that it does. I'm hoping that we see all of this backlash on the police and all this, and then it's going to turn around because once you realize that demonizing the police and defunding the police is causing your cities to go to crap, um, then people are going to say, oh, you know what? We need to re- this ain't right. And politicians only go to where they can get votes. So if people are now saying, now you better fund the police, now they're going to be talking about how important it is to fund the police and how the Democrats have been funding the police since, you know, 1912. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that's that's what's going to happen. You know, once once these kids are, are, are committing suicide on massive amounts because they're confused about their sexual orientation, then I think you, we're going to see somebody making money off a cause of stop in the suicide and young people and help them when they're young and have more, go, you know, government programs of counseling for young people who are confused with their sexual orientation sure. in, in about 40 years. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to see all of this stuff start to, the tide start to turn. And I, I think people are going to be more conservative. You can only get so woke, man. It, it gets it burn you out. Like if everything is racist, then people get burnt out over. They're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And you know that's racist. That's racist. And they kind of go down a rabbit hole. You know the the I don't know if you know who the rapper the baby is. I mean yes. the guys just have yeah. incredible destructive. Uh, he have destructive uh, lyrics in his songs, and none mm -hmm. of that matters. He can rap and be on yep. BT talking about killing black people and selling drugs and, and, and de degrading women. But as soon as he say anything that alludes to the negative behaviors of the homosexual community, um, then they cancel him on everything. But you got to think, man, a lot of people like the baby. And so when they see him canceling, they like, wait a minute. Y'all really going to take him off? Y'all really going to take his performance? Y'all really take him off the, the uh, number one chart right. or whatever? He was right. featured in the song. They took his name off the feature. Like, you really doing that for what? Mm -hmm. This is what y'all doing right now? And, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit a, a point, a breaking point, where people are going to begin to rebel against it. You think cancel culture is a wave right now that we're going to get out of? Or you think it's going to get worse? I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But it, it, mm -hmm. you can't cancel everybody. Because then the people who are canceling are going to get canceled. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah. you see it with Cuomo. And, and I don't know. I feel like they got an agenda behind that. I, I'm suspicious of anything that the government sure. is doing and they pushing at this rate. But you got you got Cuomo out here just trying to counsel. He's trying to counsel uh, Brett Kavanaugh. When Brett Kavanaugh was going through that, he's like, believe all women. You know, this man should not be in office. And then now look at him. Now he getting counseled. And so the same thing, you know, people out here counseling, the next thing you know, you're going to be the one getting counseled because it's a slippery slope of hypocrisy that that, 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 that has no end. You know, there is, it's, they just get woker and woker and woker. You know, uh, if you if you believe in, if you believe in the, the unification of, of, a, of a nuclear family, now, now, now something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you. You know, you hate gay people because you want to be married to, a, to a, yep. the opposite sex. And, and, and it just get woker and woker and woker and everybody else get trapped and dissolved in it. And before you know it, everybody's canceled. Then, then all of it takes is a brave person with a huge following to say enough is enough. This council culture stuff is enough. Or you cancel one of their favorites and then now it all unravels. Um, I think that's how it's going to happen. But I think it's going to get worse because, you know, for them to be able to do a rapper like the baby, like they doing him and black people are not like just burning buildings over it. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like, oh, it's going to get much worse before people really get in their feelings about it. You know, so I think it's going to get worse, unfortunately. How do we get back to the post 9-11 camaraderie or a country, at least it felt that, you know, we had let our guard down a little bit with one another and we had, you know, come together somewhat. There was a couple of years there that I felt like, you know, we were making strides as a country as far as, you know, uh, building ourselves and, and, you know, not being overly opinionated about other people. I thought that there was a sense of, of camaraderie. Uh, there was a sense of wanting to do good for the country. And certainly the patriotism was at a sky high at that time. How do we get back to that? Well, unfortunately, you know, 9-11 was a tragic event where, you know, thousands of people died and 
thousands of more people are dying as a residual effect of that. I think people are still dying today as, you know, being affected by some of, of the residual mm -hmm. chemicals and whatever yeah. that they got exposed to or the hazmat things they got exposed to at, at ground zero. Um, but unfortunately, I think it's going to have to be a unifying leader that takes office and, and they're going to have to be a war. And that's, that's, that's just the end, you know, that just in a war with another country. And that's when I think people will start coming together when they start realizing, because what happens is they take it, people take advantage of the freedoms that we have and they, they, they nag and complain all day long. It's just like your kids, you know, you, you take care of them and you get, get them everything they want. And then they start complaining and being ungrateful. And then you're like, oh, okay. And when yep. you start losing privileges and stuff and you realize this stuff can be gone in an instance, you start turning around. And I feel like if we go to war or something like that with another country, somebody try to hit us on home soil, people are going to wake up and say, Oh man, we can really die. Like we can really sure. be conquered. Like yeah. we are free here. Like they're trying to kill us. And and then once they get to that point, they're gonna realize that oh, you know, the neighbors are gonna start helping each other and sharing food and you know what I'm saying. And then yeah, eventually, yeah. people are gonna start coming together in a in a person who's a, a genuine leader. And I and I don't know, you know, I'm kind of shaky about Bush, but at that time. Bush really brought the country together as a mm -hmm. unifying force of saying, look, we are American and we're going to fight back. And we're going to go kick their butts. And that's pretty right. much how he did it. And everybody was on board and a unifying leader that's willing to stand up in, in, in an instance of crisis, I think can be a way that America comes back. Unfortunately, a war will, will nearly guarantee more patriotism. Um, a way that we can do it outside of war is just electing people who are not super extra crazy woke. And, and next time when Republicans, which they may never get um, because of, you know, other other reasons. But next time you we're in power as conservatives, Republicans, we need to take advantage of that. We need to we need to cram laws down people's throat like the like Democrats are doing. And uh, if we, that's another way that we can probably get, get gain some ground is like executive orders. Quit, quit being soft and saying, oh, no, I don't believe in signing, you know, too many executive orders. It's seem like a dictatorship. And then they go sign 70 when they get in office. It's like, no, no, man. When you get in there, you cram it down their throats. It's like a football game where you up by 20. You need to be up by 70. And when you up by 70, throw that Hail Mary and score another touchdown. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's what we need to do politically when we get power in places, because if we don't, they'll run the screw up on us. They don't care nothing about, you know, uh, you know, being fair, nothing. They'll run it up. Well, I'll tell you, I think one of the, uh, the ways we start that is bringing back, okay, the Pledge of Allegiance to school, you know, standing with pride, with honor, putting that right hand across your heart, uh, you know, singing the uh, Star Spangled Banner, having patriotism taught in our schools again, you know, bringing, you know, in God, we trust back, uh, you know, bringing these fundamentals, man, that we are so missing in our society. And it, it's sad to see that, that we're in a, in a stage right now where, you know, schools don't want to teach anything to do with that. They don't, they don't want anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. So my question here is this, what do we do with schools? I mean, as a parent that you're sending your kids to these schools, it's like, you know, what are they teaching them? Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I'd say take your kid out of the school or put them in a private school, maybe a charter school. Uh, yeah. But we, we got to fight back. You, you can't just the problem with society today is that 
like I said, you know, we 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 were asleep behind a wheel when these things were happening to our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's chasing the American dream, you know, chasing the money, chasing the two cars and a and a big screen TV with unlimited internet and five phones and a new new smartphones sure. and all the gadgets that we want. So we work two jobs, you know, or, or we got two parents working. And it's like we forgot about well, who's raising your kids while you're dying on this job? You know, mm-hmm. both parents. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we need to get back to saying, okay. We need to really look at the responsibility we have as parents to raise our children and don't leave it up to these schools that are complete propaganda machines. Do you want your children to grow up and be to be a balanced individual? You want them to grow up being biased and, and radical and, and a leftist lunatic. And so we need to prioritize that. You know, maybe you can't have two cars. You know, maybe you don't you don't have unlimited internet. You know, maybe maybe and, and I'm just giving brief examples. Maybe you can't go out to eat every weekend. You can't go on vacation this year. Like you, you need to focus on your children. And if they're teaching these things in the schools and they're not changing, they, 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 they say they give you the, the middle finger, say, screw you. We're going to tell your kids what we want to tell them. And you got to pull your kids out to school. You have to pull them out of school, take them home, homeschool them um, or put them into a private school. Say, you know, instead of going on vacation, maybe you spend that money on a private school education where you can ensure that they're not going to teach your kid garbage. And then let, and then we have to start really you know, teaching young people the reality of college, like you don't have to go to college, you know, and if you do, you better be, you better go and do something effective because a lot of kids are going into college and they come 40, 50,000, 60,000, 80,000, a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Right. And they are not going to a job that match nothing that they went to school for. That's right. And, and then it's, it's just an indoctrination camp. So you go in there and you're dumber than where you, what you were when you came out, you know, somebody had a principal that I heard, I don't know who was saying this, that they feel like that you need to take a break between 18 and 20. Don't go, don't go into college right away. Get you, get a job, get some work experience. You know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, have your entrepreneur explosion right there, because that's, that's the most risk taking that you can do instead of jumping right into a college university where you, your first year you pay for, you got to take gen ed classes for what? Right. What do I need to take classes for? And I'm, I'm, I'm paying for this. I, right. I shouldn't have to take uh, Spanish for what? Right, right. You know, if I don't want to, t- not Spanish, but you know what I'm saying, a foreign language, mm-hmm. sure. I need to spend my time taking classes where in, in the yeah. field that I want to be in. And so, and, and, and people got to understand debt too. Debt is a bad thing if you're not leveraging debt and you cannot leverage debt with a dead degree, unless you're going for a medical practice or something like that, sure. you're going as a lawyer or, you know, you actually, your degree is specifically what you're going to do, you know, veterinarian or something, or something anything, you know, if you're a sociologist and you're going to go mm-hmm. get your master's and PhD and you write mm-hmm. books and, you know, seminars and a professor or whatever, I don't know, then maybe that'll make sense. But just having debt and paying interest for no reason puts you at a real disadvantage in life um, economically. Entitlement. Our society is entitled across the board. I see that every single day. Um, somehow people, they think they figured it out. You know what? Everybody owes me something. That's the way that they walk around. Now, where did they get this from? Yeah, I think, I think it's because they, you know, they living in the penthouse, you know, and the penthouse of countries, they living in a penthouse. They got a Butler, you know, they, they never miss a meal and they just take it for granted. Oh, you know, I, I deserve this. No, no, you don't know the work that went into getting this. 
you are now living in the penthouse. Somebody had to build from the crack house to the penthouse. If you, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and you don't understand that because now you live in the penthouse. Same thing with America, brother. Some people died that America can be like this. They died. They took chances. They risked their lives, all of the above to make sure America could end up in the penthouse state that it's in right now. And, and I really believe that people, this, this is why it's so important in schools to teach some of these things, you know, to teach civics and to teach how this, how this country was founded in, in the reality of how it was founded and the mm -hmm. risks that people took. Um, because I do think people are in a position of entitlement. However, I really do think that when the people who understand that entitlement is not the answer, a lot of them become far more successful than the ones who are entitled. And when you start to see more and more people who are successful, they say, you know what, you know, you should love this country or whatever. I think it'll begin to influence the, some people who are not as successful yet um, to realize that, you know, I, we don't need to take this for granted. Um, like I said, I hate, I hate to say that a war would be a, a factor in this too. But if we go to war again and people feel like that their lives are threatened that the way of life can be completely eliminated like this, that people are coming for us like this, and, and even though our military is keeping them over there, if they start coming here, people are going to realize that, oh, my God, this is a crazy, mm -hmm. evil world, and they want us all to die. And mm -hmm. they'll start really waking up to being like, okay, we can't take this for granted. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, what's your take on these organizations? You know, I've been told, uh, this is uh, what I was told, and this is where it's confusing, that Black Lives Matter as far as a movement is very different than Black Lives Matter as an organization. Somehow, you know, I lost track on that. I, I wasn't, you know, maybe you can explain it to me. Maybe you're a little bit more versed than that. I, I don't know, but it doesn't quite, I, I don't quite understand it. So maybe you can set, you know, shed some light on that. I understand what they're trying to say, but it's still rooted in falsehoods, right? So mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter as a movement is that, you know, that the people really care about black lives and they want to be out in the community, bringing awareness. Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter as an organization is a political organization that don't, that raises hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, and none of that goes to the black community and they don't even care about the black community. All you got to do is look at the, the, the money that they raised on George Floyd's life, Breonna Taylor's life and all that, and none of the families got none of that money. So it has right, nothing right. to do with black people. You know, it's just a it's, a it's a slogan and a facade for them to donate to political candidates and, and really push it, almost like a military um, propaganda arm of the Democrat Party. So I mm -hmm. see what they're trying to say. However, the phrase Black Lives Matter and all of that is rooted in falsehoods. All of this is rooted back in Trayvon Martin when Trayvon Martin was killed by a vigilante. And Trayvon Martin was, uh, you know, he was young, a young man, but that dude, he wasn't no innocent little boy who was just walking down the street one day and a, and a, and a racist mm -hmm. white man killed him. First mm -hmm. of all, the guy wasn't even white. And then, mm -hmm. and then there was a conflict that happened and nobody can prove who actually initiated the conflict. But it started from there. And it's like, then it goes to Breonna Taylor. Then it goes to George Floyd, I mean, uh, Michael Brown. And these are all people who are criminals, who, who you know, especially Michael Brown, he tried to kill a police officer and end up getting shot. So when you, when you look at it, you say, what is the movement in general? Forget the organization. What is the movement? Black people are not oppressed in America. Black people are not getting killed by police for no reason and, and, and getting hunted down. Black people are not, that's not true. I mean, I can name 
three black people that I know that just make the billionaire list this year. And you mm -hmm. can say, oh, it's just one black person. It's like, no, but that black person has influences on millions of other black people that they can financially help, they can psychologically help, they, they, are, they, they have influence over. So, you know, Rihanna, you know, she's Caribbean or whatever, but Rihanna was a billionaire. Um, what's his name? Uh, Kanye West was named a billionaire this year. Obviously, we know Oprah's a billionaire. Um, a few other rappers are billionaires. And there's some billionaires that we don't even we don't even know are billionaires at this point because they haven't came out with, you know, their, their uh, financials. But, you know, we got a lot of successful Black people in this dispensation of time. So to even try to push that Black people somehow need a, need a movement is it's just asinine. It's just not true. Black people need a movement in their own community. And when I say that, I, I mean it, like if you wanna do a movement, then go to South side of Chicago and do a movement there to stop black on black violence. And I'm just gonna give you some quick stats and then, and then um, I'll shut my mouth. If you just look at the statistical data of the violence between black people versus other black people and the police, which, they, which Black Lives Matter is pushing, even the movement is pushing, um, you just look at it, you know, 14, around 14 unarmed black people are shot every year. Now we know as former police officers, we know that every unarmed person is not unjustifiably shot. You know, you can be a deadly threat and be unarmed. And so, but just for the sake of argument, about 14 black people a year are shot unarmed by police. Um, around 7,000 black people are killed by other black people every year. All you gotta do is go 10 year span. Just give me a 10 year span. That'll be 140 black people shot unarmed in 10 years by the police. Yeah, It'll be 70,000 killed by other black people. 140 versus 70,000. Yes. You tell me which one is the, is the, is the, should be the priority. Yeah. Every day, black people are getting shot and killed. And I saw a picture. I made a video. Lady walks up. She, she parks her car, put the hazard lights on, walk out, shoot the girl in the head, walk back to a car, get in it and drive off. And Black Lives Matter will never show up to that scene. Mm -hmm. They'll never protest that. That girl has still have not turned herself in. They'll never protest that. I seen kids getting shot in the head. Sakaria Turner, a young, a young girl in the Sakaria Turner. Um, I remember she got killed in a, in a shootout with, with two ignorant Negroes. She gets shot in the head or killed. Her mom is holding her as she dies. Mom's car is destroyed because of the shootout. Mom's phone had, had to get taken because of the investigation. All of those things happen. Black Lives Matter don't show up at all. The girl had to go fund me and it only had like $4,000 in it. Yeah. But, but, but Jacob Blake and Michael Brown, they get, they get a million dollars overnight. Mm -hmm. People on my channel, and I went and I made a video about it. People on my channel raised $300,000 for that young, young lady's family. Amazing. 300,000. And, yeah. and, and so all I'm saying is that it's it, it, the movement, all this stuff, it, it's, these things are myths. You know, it's a myth. And Black people really need a movement for their own accountability and issues in the community. Brandon, so with that said, man, you, you're, you're a headstrong guy. You speak from the heart. Um, you know, and everything that you talk about, I mean, it's researched. You're, you're not coming from some la-la land making up statistics and do you get a lot of hatred for this? I mean, do you get a lot of people, you know, that, uh, you know, especially from the black community saying, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're not stating the truth or, you know, you're making up this. I mean, how do you, first of all, do you, and second of all, how do you deal with that? Well, I could care. I couldn't care less 
about what people think about me, especially when I'm doing what's right. And what I'm saying is rooted in facts and, and, and also personal experience with being a police officer. Most of the people that talk about police, they never even put a uniform on. They never That's seen right. a person, you know, they've never been around a person with a uniform on. So, right. you know, I'm speaking from facts. I do get a lot of backlash and it's, it's weird to me because I wish that more black people were, I would consider to be more intelligent because even successful black people come at me crazy and say, I'm uncle Tom Coon sellout. And, 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 and all I'm saying is facts. All I'm doing is telling exactly what they say with each other behind the scenes. They just don't like it. Cause I say it in front of white people, you know, right. I, it just, it's just crazy to me. And, right. and I know people criticize me a lot and say, your followers are white. Your followers are white. You just paint into a white audience. And I'm like, to be honest, it says more about black people than it says about white people following me. How in the world do we have uh, African-American people in this country that can't get behind the message that I'm saying? They can't get behind personal accountability. They can't get behind patriotism and, and, and serving and protecting other people. They can't get behind the fact that we need fathers to be in the home um, so that the structure of the family can be improved like it used to be for black people. Yeah, I, don't I don't understand. It. Why can't me yeah. saying you can be as great as you want to be and you pursue your dreams. I'm an example of that. Mm -hmm. And black people don't want to hear that. They want to hear me say yeah. that I ain't never going to be nothing because the white man holding me down. And I'm not saying all black people. I'm just saying the ones who criticize me right. and, and even in law enforcement, it's like, I'm showing you, I'm proving to you, this is a justified use of force. And you may not like the way it looked, but according to the law, this is justified. And this is why the police officer did this. If this was mm -hmm. your uncle as the police officer, you would want him to do exactly what he did. Yeah. But I'm a coon, Uncle Tom sellout. But let me, let me just say this real quick. I went to an event at Ryder University, and this is where it really struck me. And, and it, 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 this was the only time I actually hurt my feelings just a little bit for like 30 seconds. Um, I went to Ryder University. It's supposed to be 50 people there. I was just, it was a Turning Point USA event. 450 people showed up. So just imagine that. 450 people show up. So 400 of those 450 were anti-Brandon Tatum. I went to the thing to talk about that white privilege was a myth. Anti-Brandon Tatum. I, I had a young lady come up to ask a question after I gave my entire speech. She said, I told her, you can be whatever you want to be. You work hard. She said, my mom is a crackhead. I said, you are the new generation. God has put you in a position to start something new. You're at yep. this university with a free education. Yep. It's time for you to do something about it. About it. Change your generation. You can be whatever you want to be. Believe in yourself. I got booed. They booed me. Wow. 400 people. Boo. And, and I was like, I cannot believe the brainwashing that is in the spirit of a lot of black people in this country. And however, at the end of the day, it's not about black and white. It's about God and about doing what's right. And, and if I'm doing those two things, I don't care who's mad at me. Just like Jesus, they killed him. You know, just like Jesus. Y'all gonna be mad at me for telling the truth. And I'm good with that. As long as I'm telling the truth, I'm good with that. Awesome, man. Those are very powerful words, Brandon. Man, I wish we had more time here. There's so much, you know, I mean, we can sit here and have a great conversation. You know, it's, I mean, there's so much, I had, I had a whole stack of things here to ask you, but man, you're, first of all, I, I love your passion, you know, and I think that uh, for our listeners here, you got to go follow this guy. Okay. He speaks from the heart. 
and uh, he tells it like it is. Uh, where can people follow you on uh, on the social media, Brandon? Just type in Officer Tatum in the Google, DuckDuckGo, whichever one you want to use. Um, and all of my social media handles will pop up. My website, theofficertatum.com, all things Tatum is on there. So if you're looking for my YouTube channel, my merch store, my book, um, I mean, awesome. you can go down the gamut. Anything, if you put an Officer Tatum on a Google search, you'll find everything you want to find about me. Awesome. What's the name of your book? It's Beating Black and Blue, um, Being a Black Cop in America Under Siege. Okay. Um, it's available for pre-order now. It comes out November the 30th. Um, signed copies are available. If you go to, like I said, my website has it, or if you go to mm -hmm. beating blue, beatingblackandblue.com, you can Got get it. it from Amazon or you can get it from my store, which is the signed copies on my store. All right. So what I'm going to do is all this is going to be uh, placed on the show notes. We'll have a direct link to the, uh, his website, to the book and all his social media on our social, um, on our, um, information on this podcast. All right, Brandon, man. Um, look, all I can tell you is that I'm, I'm aligned with you. Uh, your vision and your mission is spot on. We need more patriots like you, people speaking the truth, people, you know, really wanting to see our society come together. Uh, and sometimes it takes that directness, you know, that speaking from the heart to change someone. Um, and I think you, know, you, you keep up doing God's work. I think, uh, you know, we're, you're going to make a big change here in this country. And I appreciate you for being on. And thank you for having me. You know, it's my pleasure. And next time I'll try to keep the responses shorter so we can get through more stuff. But, <laughs> you know, by all means, have me back, you know, just, you know, reach out yes. to us and we'll, I'll come back on. You just let me know the date and time. Yeah. Just give me one second. Thanks, brother. What a great conversation. All right. Very powerful, very meaningful. Take these elements, these components and start integrating them into your life. You'll be changed without a doubt. Listen, give us a follow on uh, Instagram at man of war with two R's also um, on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash man of war. Um, if you can just turn on that notification bell and uh, of course, give us a subscribe. Also, we're on Facebook at the real man of war. All right, my brothers, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, your life may be full of danger, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.